Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. You're either saved or lost. Now because of that, that's where God wants to say to you and I, because of that, you should care. That's the motivating factor. Your best next door neighbor, if they don't choose Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with this church, they're going to remain what? Lost. Lost. You say, well, what is lost? Lost means separated from God forever. Whether we realize it or not, we all tend to see things in the gray. If you've ever worked your way towards being good at something, you know that you reach different levels of proficiency as you went from being totally unskilled to achieving mastery. There are few things as black and white as salvation in Jesus. You're either saved or you're not. But we try to make a gray area because who wants to imagine people they love going to hell? There aren't different levels of achievement when it comes to salvation, although there may be varying degrees of spiritual maturity. There's only one way that is truth, and that's salvation in Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, verse 16, with our continuing study entitled, Believe and Proclaim. I thought I had everything, but one day I said to myself, why wasn't I happy? Now, what is that, why wasn't I happy? It's the void, it's the emptiness, it's the spot that God's placed in your heart and my heart that says, unless you know me, unless you know me, you'll never be satisfied. Now you say, well, what pastor and... And what priest or what holy person brought Bernard to God? Well, let me read on. Until one day, another golfer helped me find the way to a personal relationship with God. You see, God loves golfers. (laughs) See there? That's what it says right there. Now, now, what does that mean? It means this. Remember I told you, we're to go into all the world and share the gospel. So who shared the gospel with Bernard? Another golfer. Not a priest. A golfer. A golfer golfer. Can you imagine that? A golfer said, I know what's missing in your life. It's Jesus Christ. He didn't go to a building. He didn't go to a church. A golfer. There's another one. There's another one. You might not know his first name, but you're familiar with his second name. Franklin Graham. Billy Graham's son. Listen to what he says. For years, I didn't want Jesus Christ in my life. I ran from him. I was afraid that if I gave my life to God, I'd have a spiritual straitjacket. I wanted to be free. I wanted to make myself happy. And there was a lot of fun. No question about it. 
There was an emptiness. What is the emptiness? It's the void. It's the hole. Franklin says this. There was a big hole in the middle of Franklin Graham. Now, if you know anything about computers, you're familiar with search engines. You can put something in and it searches for it. Here's what I want you to get this morning. Every single person will come to a place in their life where they're searching for God, even though they don't know it. So what does that say? It says this, that your neighbor, your co-worker, your friend at college, at high school, the person that you sit next to in the cubicle at work, if they're not a believer, what do they have in their heart? There's a hole. And they're at some point going to be in the search mode. They're going to look for God. And so that encourages me because that means at some point I'm going to, and there's some of you here this morning, they're in the search mode. Some were here last week. They found God. They found the relationship. All of a sudden things are right. It makes sense. You see, you will come. Your friends will come. Somebody will come to a place in their life when they say this. They have all of these things and they're going to say basically this. Is that all there is? Is that all? I mean, I've traveled everywhere I've done. Is that all there is? Yes, that's all there is of the world. And then that's when you and I step in and say, well, I can tell you there's one thing more, and it's Jesus Christ. So that encourages us. That means that God has already prepared people's hearts. Now, how do we expect them to hear the good news? Here's how we expect them to hear the good news. In those days, how did they hear the good news? They heard them one-on-one. Today, we have some wonderful things in the Western world. Sometimes they're wonderful. We have all kinds of things on the Internet, and that's good. People are getting saved on the Internet. That's wonderful. We have radio stations. That's great. We have TV where some good Christian programs are on. I think that's wonderful. We have some bizarre Christian TV that's on. That's totally off the wall. And if you're a non-believer and you look at some of this, quote, Christian TV, you'll never become a believer. Those people are too bizarre. They're too weird. They're just not normal. Let me give you an example of why it's very important for you as a Christian Don't be an idiot, turn the TV on and watch this channel and go, wow, they're Christians. Everything they're saying, I'm going to believe. Listen to one I heard during a telethon. It's totally wrong, 100% wrong. And it went all over the world. This young man stood up, he had a book, and he says, this is what the message God has given me. God cannot use you if you're poor. So his whole talk was on prosperity. You must be prosperous. The minute he said that, the Holy Spirit spoke right to my heart. He said, Acts 3. Peter and John, after the day of Pentecost, went to a poor beggar that was at the temple gate. And here's exactly the words from Acts. The beggar was begging to be give some alms. Peter and John said, silver and gold have we none. So they were what? So that's the end of the story. Because you can't be used by God if you're poor. Is that the end of the story? No. Here's what they said. But in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Now, if you're listening to that garbage, and that's your philosophy, 
you're in deep trouble. Turn it off. You see, Satan puts these bizarrity people on with the stuff that's off balance. It's all into money. You need to be rich. I watch it just to see the bizarrity. If you give $2,000 to this ministry, you'll come out of debt. I know who's going to come out of debt. This is stupid. The world looks at it and goes, what is that? I ain't going to church. They're only after my what? Right. And Satan goes, right on. It's bizarrity. Now, they mean well. I know what they mean. They mean that we want this money to spread the gospel. But the means do not justify the end, does not justify the means. You can't use weird stuff to get to the end. The disciples use the power of God. Ask me how I feel about it sometime and I'll tell you. Now, (laughs) the other thing you have to watch for is this. We have this church mentality in the Western world. Well, people are going to come to Christ. Just build a building, put a sign on, the people will come. Do you really believe that? Not a chance. Not a chance. So how do we win people to Jesus Christ? One on one. Our voice, our feet, our hands, our body. It hasn't changed. Yes, we believe in mass evangelism and many wonderful programs. Just be, just be aware of the bizarrety. If it sounds weird, it is. Well, it's a very personal thing. You just leave it up to them. Well, Jesus just said, in a command... You go into all the world and share. It isn't like option A3. I'll take option B7, God. What is that one? It's the same as A1. Go into all the world. Never changed. It's a command. I'm too busy with my things. Why should I worry about somebody that's lost? I found a way. I enjoy church. Cool, man. I'm here for the service. What else do you want? Jesus' priority never changed. So there is a priority. Evangelism is not an option. It is a command. Now you say, well, you mean you're going to force me to be? No. You can never force anybody to do anything. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And the main thing is not coming doing our religious thing on Sunday. The main thing is sharing the good news with a lost world. Not forcing it down people's throat, but sharing the good news. Well, what is the second point that I want to bring across to you this morning? It's this. God's message is simply the good news. It's simply the good news. Look in verse 16. And if you want to write in your Bibles, what is the good news? There's a great definition of it. Let's look at it. Whoever believes and is baptized, what will happen to them? Will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be what? Condemned. So, write this verse down. We won't go there this morning also because of time. But Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes, for the Jew first and the Gentile. The reason this there's only one message, there is no other message that any of us can have that explains how a sinner separated from God can find total forgiveness total peace with God, and receive eternal life, and having the void, the whole filled in their life. God's message is the good news. It is very simple. Do not complicate it. And what has the church done to the message of the good news? You want to become a Christian? Here's the 743 things you got to do in this church to become a Christian. No. We're back to legalism again. 
And you'll see in our scripture, we either move to the right or to the left. We either have all these rules that you got to do this and you can't eat this and you can't drink this on Friday from 12 to 3 or whatever, you can't do that. Or you can do anything you want after you accept Jesus Christ. Both of those are totally wrong. It's right here. It's right here. And this is the message. It's very, very, very simple. Let's read it together. Jesus says, here's the promise of salvation. And then he gives us a warning. If I want to become a Christian, if I want to be saved, if I want to go to heaven and not hell, I have to do what? Number one, simply what? Believe. The word believe in the Greek is a word that encompasses a whole lifestyle change. It does not mean I believe in Jesus Christ. Across our world, churches were jammed with people that believe Jesus is the Son of God. That's it. It doesn't have any effect in their life. It's a mental fact. The sad thing is they believe they're going to heaven because of that. Wrong. The book of James says demons believe Jesus is the Son of God. It's a mental truth, but they are not going to heaven. So when you say to a person, believe, it means you begin to follow Jesus Christ. There's a change in not a church. You can't believe and follow Calvary Chapel. You follow Jesus Christ. How do we follow Jesus Christ? His Word. And it's a great walk. So you have to believe that. So, if I believe that and follow Jesus Christ, I'm what? Saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from death. Saved from eternal separation from God. Now I have one more option. And that's to do what? Don't believe. Simply don't believe. And here's a little homework for you. John chapter 3, verses 15, 16, 17, and 18. John 3, 15, 16, 17, 18. Here's what it says. If you choose not to believe, you remain condemned already. You see, I enter the world as a sinner. If I don't choose to accept Jesus Christ, I remain as a sinner. I remain condemned. So when you look at that, it's very interesting that there's only two classes of people in all the world. Saved or lost? Lots of nationalities here this morning. Lots of personalities, skin colors, male, female, old, young, whatever. Only two kinds of people here this morning. What are they? When you go home and drive down your neighborhood street this afternoon and then get out of your car and you walk in your neighborhood today and you go by houses and there's a family of four people, you don't know them. They're either what? When you go into work Monday and you sit down and there's a hundred people in your division and you don't know these people individually, what two classes do they fall into? That's it. There's no it'll middle ground. Ooh, no, you're either saved or lost. Now, because of that, that's where God wants to say to you and I, because of that, you should care. That's the motivating factor. Your best next door neighbor, if they don't choose Jesus Christ, has nothing to do with this church, they're going to remain what? Lost. Lost. You say, well, what is lost? Lost means separated from God forever. Now, I can't change them. I can't go in and force them. But I can look for an opening. And I can begin to pray. And I can care. Now, let me just address one thing back in verse 16 for one minute. Notice, let's read that verse again. Whoever believes and is what? 
and is baptized will be saved. That has caused some people to believe from this particular verse, and maybe one or two others in the Bible, that water baptism is essential, is essential for salvation. That is not true. Just write these two passages down. Romans 3, Romans 3, 21 through 28, and Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. Ephesians 2, 8 and 10. There are over a hundred passages in the Bible that say this. The only way that salvation is found is faith in Jesus Christ alone. The second half of the verse, if you even read it, explains that it isn't about baptism. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But then it says, whoever does not what? Believe will what? Be condemned. So it's all about faith. Baptism is only an external act that shows what happened. If I could become a Christian by doing some work, like going out and being baptized, then Jesus Christ did not need to die on the cross. The Bible teaches us over and again, from the beginning to the end, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So we definitely do not believe that water baptism is salvation. The Scripture does not teach that. Water baptism is not a condition for salvation. But let me hasten to say this. That if we are going to accept Jesus Christ by faith, the next step should be water baptism. Day of Pentecost, Peter says, repent and be baptized. Paul, Silas, the Philippian jailer, came to the Lord. The whole house received God by faith. Then they did what? Paul took him out and did what? He baptized him. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you've accepted Jesus Christ by faith alone, you are a believer. You need to follow Jesus Christ in water baptism. You say, well, I'm not going to do it. Why? You're disobeying a command of God. It's for you saying to the world, I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm Jesus Christ's own now. You need to be water baptized. Now, third, God's provision guarantees God's message will be shared. Can you imagine when the disciples looked at the world that was in front of them and they said, well, Jesus, you know, when we ministered with you, Satan always seemed to be there and causing hassle and had people bound and deaf people and people with demons and all, all kinds of stuff and there was hassles. What are we going to do about Satan? You're leaving us. Can we share the message when we know Satan is going to try to keep people in his own kingdom? Do you know this morning that Satan loves to keep people in his kingdom? By the way, since there's only saved and lost, how many kingdoms do you think there might be? Right, right. And it's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. So see, everything matches down to twos. That's the simplicity of the gospel. Don't exponentialize it and go out to 47 different times. It's two things. Save your lost. Kingdom of God, kingdom of Satan. So because God knew that the disciples needed help, he gives them these three things. Write these down. He gives the disciples, before he sends them, a promise of, number one, divine protection, divine power, and divine presence. Divine protection, divine power, and divine presence. We say it like this here at Calvary Chapel. Where God guides, He always provides. In other words, if He's going to send the disciples out, if He's going to send you and I out, how can we accomplish what He wants us to do? How can more than one of us out of this group of 100 share... Because I'm a little afraid to do that. Well, here's how. God's power is the first one. Let's take a look at that verse again. It says, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will place their hands on sick people 
and they will get well. Those are the signs. Now, here's something you have to understand very, very simply. Jesus says, get the order of these signs that are going to confirm my word in the proper sequence. Here's what Jesus said to his disciples. And you're the disciples. We're together. Jesus says to his disciples, number one, go. As you're going, as you're going to all the world, as you're sharing, as you're going, as you're sharing, what's going to happen? Behind your sharing, here's some things that are going to confirm my word. There's going to be some supernatural signs that are going to take place. And they always will confirm what took place, that I'm real, that the message you're sharing is valid. Now, what we want to do in the church is we want to take the signs, casting out demons, people being healed. We want to take the signs and put them where? Well, let's put them over here. Let's attract people with the signs. And if we happen to get time to teach the word of God, we'll do that. If not, we got the signs here. Wrong. Wrong. You always put the going and the sharing, and then God, when he sees fit, does what? He adds the sign. And by the way, they're biblical signs, not weird signs. We have many churches today with total bizarre signs. People rolling on the floor, barking like lions, all this. That is not God's signs. That's Satan's signs. You want God's signs, which are filled, and you see what they are right there. Are there demons today? See, we don't see a lot of them in the United States. But go to India with me. Demons are real. But they're not real like we see in the United States. Number one, Christians never can have a demon. And when you understand that, we can be oppressed but never possessed. So the signs must come in the right order. And when they come in the right order, neat things happen. Now because of these signs, we bring up a topic called supernatural. When you and I hear the supernatural, because it's been hyped so much, you come from one of two schools, most of you. You come from a place where you saw the supernatural signs always hyped. The service was no good, and this was lots of supernatural whatever they called supernatural. Others of you come from wonderful churches. By the way, they're Christians. Others come from wonderful churches over here where you were taught from 1 Corinthians, probably around chapter 14 and 15, that signs, supernatural, isn't needed anymore. We're above that today. We can do all the things of God in our own natural strength. Well, where is the truth always? Right in the middle. I feel sorry for those people that try to do the work of God with human ability. You'll never accomplish it. If that was true, Jesus would have said to his disciples, see ya, have to it. But you'll see in a moment, actually let's turn right now to Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, 5, and 8. Some of the rest of you are over here playing with the signs and the hype. And you haven't realized that there's a balance to that. You need to come back to the scriptural pattern of what it is. All things should be done decently in an order. Now, there's only one way that the disciples could accomplish what God asked them to do. And that's through something that might even scare you the term, the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not really what you think you've seen normally on television. Sometimes it's true, but most of it isn't. Today, Pastor Mark warned about the unscriptural doctrines that contemporary churches profess. Some ministries claim that faith is inextricably linked to prosperity. That's wrong. 
Some groups cite that water baptism is required in order to receive salvation. That is wrong. We did hear about something that Jesus does require of believers, for us to go out and spread the good news of the gospel to everyone, everywhere. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark concludes his teaching in the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 16. We'll hear about how the Lord confirms what He says through signs and supernatural wonders, but how that has been perverted by some groups today. Some churches go to the extremes while others deny His power altogether. But as we'll see, if we go to the Word for the truth, all those perversions and lies are exposed. That's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.